Hello, Andre here. Welcome to another episode of The Daily. I trust that you are well this morning. So buckle in, let's get ready, let's jump right into the podcast. This past Sunday, I spoke on cultivating a defiant joy in a time of despair and anxiety. And I talked about how joy in this time really lends to our witness and credibility as a faith community. Jesus was known in scripture as person who was anointed with the oil of gladness far above, far beyond his companions. One translator translates that line to mean Jesus was the happiest person on earth. Jesus exhibited such great joy from the pronouncement of his birth to his time of ministry on the earth, even as he endured the cross. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 that for the joy so set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now that picture of having joy in a time of suffering, in a time of cruel persecution just seems uh, incongruent and really hard to grasp and comprehend. But we know joy is so much more than an emotion. It's not anything less than happiness, but it's so much more than that. Joy is this inner reality that we cultivate through abiding in God's presence and embracing His hope, His perspective on the world. That is how we cultivate and hold on to joy even in a time of despair. And I talked through this cycle that Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane even as He approaches great persecution and betrayal and His eventual suffering and death on the cross. Jesus, at the start, faces reality. He has it in in his mind of what is needed to be done in order to accomplish the Father's will. Next, he struggles. We read that he was overwhelmed with great sorrow even as he contemplates with the cost uh, and intensity of that which he has to bear in order to accomplish the Father's will. And then he surrenders. Then he chooses to put aside his will, his comforts, his desires. He puts it aside to surrender to the will of the Father, as he says, not my will, but yours be done. And then he resolves to obey. And from there, Jesus enters into a kind of defiant joy that wasn't so much determined by the external circumstances that he was facing, but it was out of that great internal reality that is cultivated by obeying the will of the Father, by being rooted and grounded in the Father's love and delight over him. Notice for Jesus, that first step into joy was embracing reality, was coming to terms with reality. That which is painful, hard, uncomfortable, Jesus comes to terms with it. He faces reality full on, considers and contemplates on the cost and resolves in his heart to obey. And then he enters into joy. Now that seems so contradictory, right, to our idea of joy. The world's idea of joy looks like this. It looks like ignorance. It looks like pushing the problems aside. It looks like medicating and drugging ourselves through entertainment or vices or substances in order to drown out and numb our senses to reality. We think of that popular saying that goes, ignorance is bliss. The less you know, the more happy you would be. But that was not the case for Jesus, nor many of the early apostles. 
Consider the words of the Apostle Peter when he says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Notice for Peter, he is honest about the external realities. He is honest about his grief. He is honest about the trials he has to face, yet he is able to rejoice. He is able to greatly rejoice. He is confident. He is hopeful for the good that is to come. He goes on to say this in verse 8, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, I don't think you get to that kind of joy through ignorance, through medicating or numbing your feelings. You get to that kind of joy by confronting reality and experiencing the presence of God meet you in the place of your pain and grief and birth in you hope and joy, even in a time of circumstance. One of my favorite Psalms to read in the Bible is Psalm 73. Now, this is a really long passage of scripture and I encourage you to read it in your own time. But Psalm 73 was written by Asaph. And Asaph was one of the premier worship leaders around the time of King David. And he wrote quite a few of the Psalms. And he was, you know, in a way employed to lead the people of God in the midst of the distraction of the world and into the presence of God. And in this psalm that we read, Asaph was getting distracted. He takes his eyes off of God and what happens is that he begins to fall into this cycle of, of disillusionment and despair. We can almost track him through this entire psalm and watch him descend into disillusionment and despair, but then find his hope in God again. In verse 3, it says this in Psalm 73, Asaph's words, he says, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was envious. His heart craved for what the wicked had. And from verse 4 to 10, we see Asaph uh, go into this almost place of distortion, right? Uh, where he says this in verse 5, that these wicked men, they're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. And this is all Asaph's personal conjunctures. These are thoughts that he had come to himself. And it's almost as though his reality began to be distorted. And from verse 11 to 14, Asaph expresses his discouragement. He says this, Now behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. And surely I, Asaph, have cleansed my heart in vain. I've done this for nothing. I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Asaph expresses his discouragement and disappointment in the Lord. In verse 16, he comes to a place of disillusionment when he says this, When I thought how to understand this, how to comprehend the prosperity of the wicked, it was far too painful for me. Far too painful for me. And he was disillusioned, he was in despair. But notice there's a shift as the psalm crosses from verse 16 to verse 17. It says this in verse 17, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. 
until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then now that's a word picture or metaphor for entering into God's presence of abiding in Him, of experiencing His glory. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Then all things became clear. And then the psalm shifts. From verse 18 to 20, Asaph professes, Surely you, God, have set the wicked in slippery places. You have cast them down to destruction. He begins to be aware of the work of God. And at first he started with being envious of the wicked and being disillusioned by all that is seemingly going their way. Asaph then enters into this place of awareness, of recognizing the work of God. And then he acknowledges the work of God from verse 23, 24. It says this, that nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold me by my right hand and you will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me into your glory. He acknowledges God, his leadership and his counsel. Verse 25, it's a profession of appreciation, even as he says, Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. And then in verse 28, he enters into a moment of adoration, even as he says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare, profess, proclaim all his works. Notice what caused Asaph to enter into a time of disillusionment and despair. It started when he got distracted. When it says this in verse 3 that he was envious, that he was caught up, he was captivated by the prosperity of the wicked. His eyes were fixed on the wrong thing. But the psalm shifts in verse 17 when it says that he entered into the sanctuary of God, when he entered into God's presence, when he chose to put his attention and gaze upon the Lord, upon his glory. Then he moved from a place of attention into awareness, into acknowledgement, into appreciation, and then adoration. You see, distraction will always lead you to despair but attention will lead you to adoration. And the temptation in moments like these where we suffer grief in various trials, big big or small, is to distract ourselves, is to numb the feelings of grief that we feel inside to not confront reality. And when we choose to not confront reality, we choose to not meet with God because God does not exist in figments of our imagination or in ignorant bliss. God exists in reality. The good, the bad, and the ugly, God is there. And in reality, He meets with us. He meets with us when we confront all that is before us. The Bible tells us that blessed is he who mourns, for they shall be comforted. And perhaps many times we don't experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit in our times of grief is because we simply don't mourn. And in order to mourn, we have to live in reality. We have to confront that which is before us and to not distract ourselves. Ronald Roheiser has this line in which he says that Christians today are distracting themselves into a kind of spiritual oblivion where we have many options by way of entertainment or 
activity to remove ourselves from reality, to numb ourselves to what is in front of us. And perhaps in this time, we are too like Jesus to bring the pain of the reality we face to our God, to bring to Him the discomforts that we feel even in this moment, all the uncertainties and the fears and worries that we have to bring to Him and to struggle, to admit our struggle, to struggle with the cause that we might have to bear, to struggle with our discomforts, to struggle with all that we find hard to bear, and then to surrender, to surrender to His will, to say, not my will, O God, but yours be done, and then to resolve in our hearts to obey, and that's where we enter into joy. It all begins with not distracting ourselves, confronting reality, and then paying attention to God, His presence, His work on the earth and in our hearts. And attention is what will lead us into adoration. It is what will keep us from a place of despair. A close-off reading is Psalm over you this morning from Psalm 107. And this is my prayer for you this morning. I invite you right now to close your eyes, to put your hands on your laps, to get into a comfortable position and allow yourselves to be ministered by the words of scripture this morning. Psalm 107 verse 28 says this, Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So He guides them to their desired heaven. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Verse 43, whoever is wise will meditate on these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Father, this morning we give you praise and we recognize and acknowledge the work that you're doing in our lives. Whether we see it or whether we feel it, or whether we know it, O oh God, we know that you are at work. And God, we pray that our hearts will not grow weary even as we confidently expect good in our future days. Lord, we echo the words of David when he said, Surely I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And Lord, we believe that your goodness is still unfolding even in this day. And God, we choose to not be distracted or to distract ourselves from the reality that's in front of us. We choose to not embrace a kind of blind optimism. But Lord, we know that these times are difficult, they are trying, but yet will we praise our God, yet will we declare that He is good, yet will we declare that He is our deliverer. We choose to embrace a defiant joy even this time. And God, we ask that You'll help us by Your grace. We ask all these things in Your name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. I trust that you will have a blessed day ahead. We'll see you in the next episode. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.